With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. This is The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Uprest in Ireland. No one condones arson. No one condones property damage. No one condones violence against police. But I can't condone a double standard either. If we're going to call what happened in American cities in 2020 mostly peaceful protests, then we had a mostly peaceful protest in Dublin over the weekend. Why aren't the Irish allowed space in order to express themselves the way we did with leftists here in Portland and in Seattle? Why is it okay for one group to firebomb buses and overturn police cars and not for another group? It's the double standard we can't stand. Okay? Either we're going to do it one way or we're going to do it another way, but the left cannot continue to both have its cake and eat it too. Pick one. Do you want law and order or do you want anarchy? We'll go with whichever one you want. Okay. Something tells me that all your money is going to dry up if you choose anarchy, but you do you. You go ahead, make the decision you want, but be warned. Just as the Republicans warned the Democrats when the Democrats used the nuclear option in Congress, careful what you wish for. It ultimately boils down to this. Fool around, find out. Or if you don't like that one, don't start nothing, won't be nothing. It's the double standard we can't stand. What triggered the outrage in Ireland? A maniac Muslim running amok with a knife stabbed a young woman and two children, including a five-year-old girl who remains in hospital with life-threatening injuries. Oh, and yes, just like here, the attacker was known to the Garda. They're great at developing these watch lists. How about instead of a watch list, they actually start to develop do lists instead of just watching known violent felons commit more violent felonies, why don't you do something? Why don't you protect and serve? You see, case after case in the United States has shown that protect and serve is not a duty. Police have no affirmative duty to protect us. None. The only thing the police are good for is outlining the body in chalk and collecting taxes on the highway. That's pretty much what the police are good for now, which is a shame because for years, for decades, they were the thin blue line between civilization and anarchy. Well, can you blame them though? Can you blame them when Derek Chauvin, who arrests a man who is high on drugs and who is yelling, I can't breathe, while he was standing up as they were trying to get him into the police car, yelling, I can't breathe. And now all of a sudden, Derek Chauvin's in prison based on a lie 
because the video from the other angle showed that he was not kneeling on George Floyd's neck, but on his shoulder. Now, Chauvin has been stabbed in prison. Meanwhile, exculpatory evidence has come out proving that George Floyd did not die at the hand of Derek Chauvin. Where is the governor of Minnesota immediately commuting his sentence? Or better yet, pardoning him? No, 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 double standard. Double standard. You see, if Chauvin had been black and George Floyd had been white, there never would have even been a trial, much less a conviction, much less an imprisonment. So you see, there'd be no need for a commutation or a pardon. Justice demands that the governor of Minnesota do the right thing by Derek Chauvin, immediately at least commuting his sentence in restoring his freedom. But where does Derek Chauvin go to get back his good name? And where do the people of Ireland go when they need protection from people that their own government is actively importing? Governments worldwide are threatened by this populist movement that has taken foot in Hungary, in Poland, in Argentina, it looks like Canada, and hopefully in 2024 here in the United States. I'm Timothy Shea. This is The Reckoning. Don't miss out on a thing. Be sure to download the TNT Radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen to us live anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download, keeping you up to speed on TNT Radio. Your voice heard here. The government needs to step up and do its job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Representative Mike Gallagher, Republican from Wisconsin, has expressed deep concerns over a satanic Christmas tree at a festival in his hometown of Green Bay, Wisconsin, saying that is an example of the way basic traditions are under siege. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark. Hey, Adam. Hey, Timothy. All, all hail Santa, right? <laughs> That's actually one of the ornaments on this crazy Christmas tree. It says, Hail Santa. Uh, this is a museum in the United States, uh, in the U.S. state of Wisconsin. Uh, they're being accused of promoting cultural propaganda after featuring some non-traditional entries, let's just say, in its annual Christmas tree festival this year. Just picture it, Timothy. Uh, this is the National Railroad Museum in Oshawabanon, Wisconsin. They're getting into the Christmas spirit with hot chocolate, Holiday sing-alongs and a train ride dressed up as the titular railway from the Polar Express for children. Sounds nice. But alas, the museum also decided, why not? Figured it's the season to greet families with a satanic monument and an LGBT propaganda stand, among other things, uh, which, of course, has drawn the ire of one Republican representative from the state of Wisconsin. The aforementioned Representative Mike Gallagher in an appearance on Fox News's Sunday Morning Futures on November 26th, just yesterday, Sunday, 
course, Sunday morning futures. Sorry. Mr. Gallagher was asked about the National Railroad Museum's decision to allow the Satanic Temple of Wisconsin to take part in its Festival of Trees event. The tree belonging to the organization is adorned with red lights, pentagrams and various ornaments, including the one I mentioned earlier. Hail Santa. Uh, Mr. Gallagher said, quote, I think it's impossible to overstate how offensive it is to Christians. It would be quite in the literal sense the same thing as waving the Hamas flag inside of a synagogue. I mean, it's absolutely crazy that we would allow this to happen, end quote. The Wisconsin lawmaker said the museum holds, quote unquote, cool and fun events for the kids, such as the aforementioned Polar Express train ride. Now, however, he said he just wouldn't, quote, take my kids to it. He said, quote, I don't want them to be surrounded by satanic trees. So the whole thing is absurd, end quote. Um, this uh, festival of trees uh, with the National Railroad Museum was opened on November 16th. The event runs through up till December 31st, and then it's done. Um, let's see. The museum wrote on its Facebook page on the opening day of the event. A reminder, that was November 16th. Quote, the National Railroad Museum invites you to be enchanted by the 70 plus holiday trees on display throughout our museum, all while immersing yourself in railroad history end quote <laughs> all right i think ultimately there were really only 66 trees that made it uh i think out of all of those i was looking at some of the numbers the breakdown is that about 60 of them absolutely nothing explicitly christian and that there are two of the trees that are outright hostile to christianity and the beliefs of its adherents so it makes perfect sense that it made its way into a christmas festival, doesn't it? Uh, Mr. Gallagher said parents and concerned citizens, quote, have contacted the railroad museum, end quote, but its response has been, quote, unquote, insufficient. The lawmaker said, quote, they said, well, this is an educational opportunity for kids, which is completely ridiculous, right? End quote. The museum's CEO, Jacqueline Frank, told the Green Bay Press Gazette in an article on November 21st that the Satanic Temple of Wisconsin was one of 66 organizations taking part in the event. Uh, she said, quote, we have six Christian related groups that have trees up this year, end quote. Yay. Miss Frank said she vetted the Satanic Temple of Wisconsin's website for potential promoting of violence or adult content, but didn't find any reason to reject its application. Quote, there was no hesitation. We're not a religious organization. We focus on trains, she said, quote, and honestly, the Christmas tree is used by so many different secular and religious organizations. All we're doing is putting up decorations in that room, end quote. All right. I guess that's fair. Um, but yeah, this this is the type of thing that you do if you want to have Republican lawmakers upset at you. Am I correct, Timothy? What do you think? Well, here's the thing. If this was a town having a Christmas tree festival, they'd have to let them in, right? Because government can't discriminate against that. Just like you have to have uh, a permit for Nazis to march in Skokie, Illinois. We decided that 40 years ago. Okay, But this isn't a government. This is a museum. Well, people need to vote with their feet, not go, not support the museum. The museum board needs to be exposed for promoting this ideology, because make no mistake, it's an ideology. You know, it's funny, Adam, people talk about the universe and good versus evil as though those forces exist outside of personages. They don't. There's no such thing as good in the universe. There's no such thing as evil in the universe. 
outside of personages. <clears throat> Evil has a personage. His name is Lucifer or Satan. It wasn't the universe that tempted Jesus with all the kingdoms on earth. It was Lucifer as a person. People need to realize that the greatest trick Satan ever played was getting people to think he doesn't exist. He does exist. It needs to be opposed at every opportunity. See, and this is just exactly what they've done with Halloween, right? You've got Protestants now thinking that Halloween is a satanic holiday. It's not. I think they really hate it because it's a Roman Catholic holiday. It's all Hallow's Eve. It goes back to the 8th century in Rome, and it couldn't be more Roman Catholic. But it's been taken over by people with a darker bent, and now people think it's a satanic holiday when it actually isn't. So they're doing the same thing for the celebration of our Lord's Nativity. It's just part of living in the 21st century, Adam. Yeah, so there's no question uh, here, um, and to be fair, the National Railroad Museum is a privately funded 501c3 educational organization and one of the largest railroad museums in the United States, at least according to its website. Um, so, but what people are taking offense at, they need to do what you just suggested right there and, and vote with their feet or their wallet or, you know, you know, boycott. Yeah, don't take the kids to see this and then... You know, then that sends a signal that next year, um, God willing, if there is a next year, that they won't do it again um, because they saw that nobody seems to enjoy it the last time they did it, Tim. Yeah. And once again, we come back to one of my themes, which is the left or why we can't have nice things. Right. Christmas used to be a wonderful time of the year for the entire community. Even my Jewish friends that don't even celebrate Christmas love Christmas. They always say happy Christmas. They send me Christmas cards and they enjoy the season for what it's supposed to mean, which is peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Amen to that. Yes, sir. There's all, it's also the, it's supposed to be like the whole point with the trees and lighting the trees is this is it's about light and hope. This is not about Satan right. and the exact opposite of light, which is darkness. So. And you're also right. Satan is absolutely real. You can see it in the world around us. Uh, you don't have to look far. Mainstream media, all the pop stars, everyone else uh, seems to want everybody to realize that that's who they're worshiping with the uh, with the one eye covered, with the triangle hand symbols, with all of the imagery. Heck, with Joe Biden's speech out in front of Independence Hall in Philadelphia, where he was channeling his inner Hitler. Oh, I remember that one. That was a good one. That was, and, and what do they call it? that? That whole meme, that idea of him doing that, they call that dark Brandon. See, that's not, right. that's not encouraging yeah. at all, is it? <laughs> and don't even get me started. I'm going to be talking with Michael Hitchborn in just a few minutes about, about these putative Catholics like Pelosi and, and Biden and uh, Gruesome Newsome out in California and these other politicians that are holding themselves out as Roman Catholics that are really uh, not doing uh, a, a good turn by the faith, by the church that Jesus started, and actually are blaspheming him by their actions. So 
That's all that's going on here. It's just Satan looking to destroy something beautiful. Thanks for a great story, Adam. You're listening to The Reckoning on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Joe Hoff. Just a terrible situation there, and Biden was behind it, pushing these arms, pushing billions of dollars over there. We don't know where that money went. I'll bet you money. I'll bet you a huge percent uh, went. I bet you more than 50% didn't go to the uh, to the people or to the war. Uh, it went to people's pockets, kind of like what we have in, in uh, Palestine. Uh, with the U.S. Since, since well, under Biden, uh, Trump shut this down, thank God. But under Biden, Obama, they started sending billions over to uh, that part of the world these people are have been after israel forever and and uh, supported by iran and billions of dollars going their way and uh, to help them uh, you know basically uh create chaos in the middle east terrorism and and we saw what happened earlier this year about a month ago uh, the two one attack in israel and the death and destruction rape and kidnapping more than 240 people kidnapped joe hoft on today's news talk radio tnt Council and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at, and then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. The human mind is like a computer, no matter how efficient it may be. Its reliability is only as great as the information fed into it. That's a campaign promise. Tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. We mandate that the truth be told. You're hearing it. TNT. Michael Hitchborn is the founder and president of the Lepanto Institute. Is a well-known public figure in the pro-life movement. Michael spent seven and a half years as American Life League's director of the Defend the Faith Project. His meticulous and dogged research has exposed organizations receiving grant money from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development that promote abortion, birth control, homosexuality, and Marxism. Michael has also conducted research on the Catholic hospital systems that are involved in the performance of abortions and sterilizations. In his most recent bombshell report, has found the nation's largest Catholic healthcare system partnered with an abortion provider. He lives in Virginia with his wife and their eight children. I'd like to welcome back to the reckoning. Michael Hitchborn. Thanks so much for having me on. Michael, I was just talking with Adam Clark the, about the satanic Christmas tree, if that's not 
an oxymoron. I don't know what one is. The Satanic Christmas Tree up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and how evil doesn't exist outside of personages, neither does good, that there aren't forces of good and evil in the universe that are just kind of floating around amorphously, but but that good exists inside people and 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 so does evil, and that evil has a name, and that name is is Lucifer. And that what he's trying to do is just destroy everything that is good and holy and upright and moral and decent. I'm sorry, yes. Um <clears throat> I don't actually know that particular story. I hadn't heard about the uh, the the satanic tree in Wisconsin. That's a new one to me. Yeah, they're having. There's a railroad museum up there that's having a festival of trees, and one of the trees is a is a satanic tree put on by the satanic temple up there. And this whole notion that I, I guess I guess technically it can't be a religion if you're going to worship Lucifer, if you're going to worship Satan, I guess that is a religion. And I, I think the price long term might be a little higher than advertised. What do you think? Well, certainly uh, the, the thing about Lucifer, Satan, the devil, I mean, Scripture tells us he it lists off a whole bunch of different names of demons. We've got Beelzebub. We've got Baal. We've got uh, Asmodeus. We've got um, uh, any number, Lucifer, I, I mean, any number of demons. Uh, you just flip through Scripture, you're going to find some. But the uh, and we also know that the demons were fallen angels. They came from heaven. They were created by God for the purpose of good. And then they twisted their own nature because they wanted to serve themselves as opposed to God. We do the same thing, only on a much slower level. Uh, whereas the angels were given one choice, mankind is given multiple, multiple, multiple choices over time. And we can choose to do good things with our time, or we can choose to do evil things with our time. And unfortunately, there are forces that are much more inclined to serve themselves and the devil than they are to serve God. There are. And, you know, Lucifer tempted Jesus saying, I'll give you all these kingdoms, just bow down to me, because they were his to give, right? The Lord, Absolutely. when he cast, when St. Michael cast Satan, Lucifer out of heaven, he was given dominion over this earth. He actually is the prince of this earth. It's just that God's here too, and we can we can appeal to him in our most powerful weapon. In fact, you, you mentioned they, the demons have names. One of the goals of an exorcism rite is to determine what the name of the demon or demons possessing a person are, is or are, because once you know the name, then you can fight them and effectively cast them out, according to Father Chad Ripperger, uh, one of our, our leading exorcists. But our most powerful weapon against Satan, the one he fears the most, is the Holy Rosary. Why is that? Well, the Rosary came from Our Lady. Our Lady gave us the Rosary. Uh, the origins of the Rosary are actually very interesting because it went, St. Dominic, I believe, is the one who is most commonly cited as the source of the rosary our lady gave it to him but the prayers of the rosary actually come well before him there was a a psalter of hymns that had been prayed regularly it was 150 different hymns that were prayed uh that were the, the, from the psalms and they were prayed in a very particular way and then there were a set of prayers that were associated with them this is why there are 15 decades in a rosary okay 15 
uh, uh, times 10 is 150. So you have 150 Psalms in the full 15 decade rosary. We tend to break it into five decade pieces, but uh, the whole rosary is 15 decades. So that's the origin of it. And Our Lady gave us the rosary. She called it the weapon. It was used by St. Dominic to fight the Albigensians. And in fighting the Albigensians, he put down the Albigensian heresy. And uh, you don't hear much about Albigensians anymore. So You sure don't, the, except in the history books or on YouTube, there's some good videos. But it also gave your institute its name, didn't it? It sure did. So um, the Battle of Lepanto, 1571, uh, the, the Turkish Muslims were invading Europe and Pope Pius V sent out a decree ordering all of Christendom to pray the rosary for victory. And the, the Holy League fleet, which was outmanned, outgunned, uh, they, they didn't have even the technology that the Turks had. Uh, they went into battle and they expected to take heavy losses. And instead, it was a complete and total victory for the Christians. They had minimal casualties. They only lost a handful of ships and they captured almost the entire fleet. They sank the, the rest of it and they uh, they took a whole lot of uh, uh, slave, or, or slaves, uh, prisoners also. So the um, it, it was a total victory and, and it's attributed to Our Lady because through the course of the battle, it was Don Juan of Austria who exhorted all of his men to go to confession, to uh, to be free of sin. They were not to blaspheme. In fact, anybody who blasphemed was it was punishable by death uh, because they didn't want to have anybody with blasphemy on their lips going into battle. So all of this was to show the purity of the, the or the necessity of purity in going into battle and the necessity of the rosary to bring about victory. And I took this little side detour to give people some hope that we're not powerless. We're not powerless in the face of sin. We're not powerless in the face of evil. We're not powerless in the face of forces that are seeking our downfall. And we have a phenomenally powerful weapon, and that weapon is the Holy Rosary. You're listening to The Reckoning on TNT Radio. Here's what's making news. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Israel and Hamas have agreed to extend a temporary truce for an additional two days as of November 27th, according to the government of Qatar, which has presented itself as a mediator in the conflict. The Israeli military says 11 hostages have been released from Hamas captivity in the Gaza Strip and returned to Israeli territory. In Australia, a new parliamentary report has suggested the need for more MPs in Parliament due to a growing demand for representation as the population increases. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Michael, I talked about that so that we could talk about this. The prayer of St. Michael ends asking for protection against demons that prowl the world seeking the ruin of souls. Unfortunately, our holy... Roman Catholic Church has been infiltrated by these forces. It was almost 100 years ago in the 1930s. Bella Haddad was one of the communists that infiltrated the Vatican, and she had a change of heart. The Holy Spirit uh, guided her back into the fold, and she exposed what the plan was. Unfortunately, it seems as though the leadership of the church, in large part, for the last 50 years, or in some part in the last 50 years, but in large part for the last 10 years, it seems as though there are 
forces within the church that are actively seeking to undermine it from within. And we're starting to see good and holy men like Father Altman, like Father Frank Pavone, and like Bishop Strickland in Tyler, Texas, being punished for actually adhering to the tenets of the faith. You were with Bishop Strickland this week. How's he doing? And give people a sense of how important this is. We're not exaggerating the importance of the discipline against him, are we? No, we're not exaggerating. Uh, the discipline against him was uncanonical. Uh, in fact, it was the in imposition of a punishment without due course to law. So there are only four ways by which a bishop is removed from his diocese. The death of the bishop, uh, the resignation of the bishop, uh, the bishop is transferred to another diocese, or he is found guilty of an ecclesiastical crime. And through that process of determining the uh, the nature of the crime, the guilt of the crime, uh, if he is found guilty, then it is the imposition of a punishment to remove him from his diocese. It's called a privation. Well, there was no due process. There was no accusation of any kind of crime. There was no investigation into any kind of allegations of a crime. There weren't charges of a crime. He was never interviewed for uh, with, with any information or knowledge as to what he was being investigated for. There was nothing of that sort. He was simply punished without due process. Now, Bishop Strickland, it, you know, he he was very upbeat when I saw him and and I had a good chance to sit down with him and talk to him on a number of occasions. And he just said, you know, I'm only here for one man. And he held up his pectoral cross and he showed us our Lord on the cross. And he said, I'm only here for him. And the rest of it, he said, whatever our Lord wants to do with me, that's up to him. He said, I'll go wherever he wants me to go. And so he, he he's not I mean, obviously, it stings. Uh, crucifixion does sting, even though even if it's a spiritual crucifixion or an emotional one. But he um, he's not letting it get to him, and he's certainly not uh, rallying against the church, or he's he's not even really railing against Pope Francis or calling him names or saying it. He's not angry. He's not vitriolic. He's just saying, "Look, remain in the bosom of the church. Remain pure and true to her teachings," and receive the sacraments regularly within a state of grace. If you do that, then the path to salvation is simple. But it's when we buck the system that we have problems. That's right. And ironically, you know, apparently there's a fifth way a bishop can be removed now, and that's when Frankie Two Fingers, and I call him Frankie Two Fingers because he's flipping off the traditional Catholic faith with both hands, it seems. There's actually a, a canonical law against disparaging the Pope. and Bishop Strickland asked us to pray for for Francis. And I, right, I think his his humility and and his and it's not false humility humility. It's, you know, that's I think one of the most misunderstood words is humility and what it means. It doesn't mean to abase yourself. It doesn't mean to be a doormat. It means to realize your place in the universe, which we are nothing without grace. We are nothing without the Holy Ghost and the grace bestowed on us. We're nothing without Jesus and the sacrifice that he offered his father. That's our only way to salvation. And I think Bishop Strickland's advice, while 
difficult while going against our our nature to want to defend him is uh, just shows it just underlines what a holy and and truly humble man he is. Absolutely, uh, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. He um, he gave a when we prayed the rosary together at the rally. Um, it was very moving to hear his different meditations on each of the mysteries. And he spent some time just really meet, just drawing out the mystery and really, uh, I don't know. I, I can't really put it into words. You'd have to be there, but it was, it was humble. It was pure. It was sincere. And yeah, let me just back up for a second for those. Uh, we assumed some knowledge here. When, when you said that the full rosary is, is, 15 decades or 150 prayers, which matches the 150 Psalms. It is, and we break it up into, into three sets of five, as you said, but there are mysteries. See, people, mm -hmm. Protestants think they use that scriptural line about a mindless repetition. It's not mindless repetition. It's right. actually quite mindful repetition Absolutely. because with, with each decade, we are to contemplate while we're praying, we're we're supposed to contemplate the glorious mysteries, the sorrowful mysteries, and the joyful mysteries. And they are aspects of Jesus Christ's life. The rosary isn't a prayer to Mary. Mary gave it to us, right. but it's a it's it's a prayer honoring Jesus. And that's why we you were talking about contemplating the mysteries before before each decade, you're supposed to name the mystery that you're you're to contemplate for the next decade back up a little further though and tell us about the conference we didn't we didn't uh, talk about the conference you attended oh the uh, US conference of catholic bishops meeting is that what you're talking about yes 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 where you yeah. yes uh well i didn't actually participate in that because i'm persona non grata over there uh i think they have my face on dartboards but the um the the thing it's actually about, it's that bb gun that you have the bb gun game you have at the state fair right instead of the star right. instead of having to shoot out the star they've got to shoot out your whole face from the target <laughs> that's right that's right yeah um no they don't like me very much over there because of my exposés regarding catholic relief services and the catholic campaign for human development and um i i didn't get to really pay a whole lot of attention i i actually wasn't planning on going up there at all but when I heard that Bishop Strickland was going to be outside, this this was the same weekend that he was told that he he no longer had a diocese. Saturday morning, I woke up and my phone was blowing up with people saying, Bishop Strickland's been removed. And so, and the USCCB meeting was supposed to take place that Monday. That's when it started and it went on for the entire week. So I drove up Tuesday evening and I went to dinner with Bishop Strickland and a group of people. And then the next day we prayed the rosary outside the USCCB meeting. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I wasn't even planning on going, but because everything had happened and, and unfolded the way that it did, I figured that I should be up there. And I know Bishop Strickland, he knows me, and I, I wanted to give him the sport that, that I could give. So that's why I went. And because of that, I didn't get a whole lot of an opportunity to pay to pay attention to what the USCCB meeting was discussing or what the, what conclusions they'd come to. I did hear one good outcome, though, and that was that um, they were able to maintain abortion as the preeminent 
uh, issue for them to continue fighting, not just one among many, as Cardinal McElroy would like to have it turn out to be. Well, that is a, a positive development from a group that, quite frankly, hasn't been uh, that upholding of uh, life and uh, other political issues within the church that we'll discuss after this break. You're listening to The Reckoning on TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. With Joe Biden behind in just about every presidential poll, the strategy of the left seems to be to go after Donald Trump even harder than they've been doing for the past eight years, if that's even possible. And on the media side, Joe Scarborough, whose brother-in-law works in the Biden administration, seems to be leading the charge. He will do, he will get away with, he will imprison, he will execute whoever he's allowed to imprison execute, uh, 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 drive from the country. Just look at his past. And as unhinged as that was, it's nothing compared to what New York Democrat Congressman Dan Golden said the other day. It is just uh, uh, unquestionable at this point that that man cannot see public office again. He is not only unfit, he is destructive to our democracy, uh, and he has to be uh, he has to be eliminated. Now, after receiving some well-deserved criticism, Goldman apologized, said he didn't mean to use that word, eliminated, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This is all the left has left. So watch for more of the same. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg. Catch my show Monday to Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT Radio Vision. Last week, Brandon met a girl on a dating app. One day after work, he finally found the courage to ask her out. No answer. He started to panic. Was he being too pushy? Maybe it was too... Hey, sorry I didn't respond. I was driving. I would love to go on a date. How does tonight sound? Brandon tried to play it cool, but inside he knew. A girl so smart, so responsible. She must be a keeper. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. TNT. Michael, the Roman Catholic Church is the reason we have hospitals, the reason we have universities. It's because we believe that we are saved by faith alone, but faith without good works is dead. And so we're called upon not only to have faith, but also to do good works. And the church is the number one provider of social services in the country, much larger than the federal government. But just as the founders warned us in the First Amendment, the quote-unquote separation of church and state, the, the establishment clause that the federal government will not establish a state religion was designed not to protect the government from religion, but to protect religion from government. Their fears proved founded because the Catholic Church is taking government contracts in doing some decidedly non-Catholic things with it. Tell us a little bit about the Catholic-funded Campaign for Human Development and the ways that it's really gone astray. So the Catholic Campaign for Human Development was founded in 1969. It was created uh, in the Diocese of Chicago. Card at the time, Father Bernardin, who was the head of, he was the Secretary General of the U U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, uh, was the one who proposed it as a national collection. The whole purpose of it was to collect funds from faithful Catholics 
under the auspices of helping the poor and the disenfranchised and giving that money to Saul Alinsky and his community organizing groups. And it was sold as, well, community organizing is really good for helping to put a stop sign in a street corner where people had been, you know, a child was hit by a car and they just desperately needed a stop sign there. Or uh, these these workers, they've been working so hard in the fields, but they've been, they've had their wages stolen from them by this wicked, you know, evil entrepreneur who is, is withholding their their earnings. And so community organizing is kind of like unionism in that respect. So that's that's the idea that was sold. The reality, however, is that Saul Alinsky's community organizing groups were rooted in his book, Rules for Radicals. And Rules for Radicals is a textbook for how to foment a an agitation in an area for the purpose of taking from the haves and giving to the have-nots. This is the very definition of Marxist revolution. So CCHD was created to finance that kind of thing. Over the decades, different outlets like Capital Research Center and, and The Wanderer and, and many other intrepid reporters have been looking into the CCHD and trying to point out, hey, these guys are pro-abortion. These guys are pushing socialism. These guys are, you know, they're pushing X, Y, and Z. They're, they're immoral activities. And the CCHD always comes back with the same standard canned response. Well, we looked into it and we didn't really find anything, but thank you for looking into it. We take everything seriously, blah, blah, blah. Well, with the advent of the internet, that flipped the, the narrative because everybody puts everything online whether it's on social media or in videos or in news reports, it's the, the, the vast public record, uh, as they say, the internet never forgets. So in 2009, I started investigating the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, and I, I produced a series of reports showing that these groups were indeed promoting abortion, contraception, homosexuality, Marxism, trans, transgenderism, and all that stuff. And through these reports, I was able to show with screen captures, hey, they said this here, underline the words, Under the, these are their words, this is what they're saying. Uh, here they are in their own website where they're promoting this problem or that thing or, or whatever it is. And uh, we've produced these reports. These reports are airtight. There is nothing hyperbolic in there. There's nothing uh, in, in these reports that could be taken misconstrued or taken out of context or said that we got it from third-hand information. These are all first-hand sourced reports and the evidence is direct. An organization says, come join us for the uh, reproductive rights rally. Well, guess what? <laughs> they, they're promoting a rally for, for abortion because you go to the rally website and you see, ah, they're pro-abortion and they're, they're promoting Planned Parenthood and whatever. So all of this goes to show that, yes, the CCHD is deeply in bed with making sure that that millions, hundreds of millions of dollars continue to go to the organizations that are fighting directly against the church and her teachings. And it's, you know, it's so similar to what's happened in the private foundations, right? The Carnegie uh, Foundation, the Ford Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, the MacArthur Foundation, They've all been taken over by leftists, and they're all doing things that their benefactors would be appalled at. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Uh, one one example, just recently, uh, 
In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example from today. I don't even think you've seen this one. Uh, we, the headline for our article on this one, Catholic funded organization prayed to demons. This is, this is not hyperbole. Look, uh, this organization, it's called planting justice on their own website in 2013, they, um, they published a, a, or an article titled remembering the dead. And in this, in this article, which was all about transgender Re remembrance day, they posted pictures of a guy Fox mask with uh, a little plaque set in front of it that has a pentagram and a sword and a couple of chalices and a dagger. These are all occult symbols. And the article starts with this. Uh, it says, hello again. My name is among other things, Chris Hughes. You may remember me from such blog posts as a recipe because cooking is important. I also identify as transgender, specifically gender queer. Today, November 20th, 2013 happens to be our planting justice staff meeting. It is also the international day, transgender day of Re remembrance. So, and he goes on, he says to commemorate this day, I asked the planting justice staff if I could set up an altar before our meeting. I also read the names of the dead, inviting them to sit in with our staff pictures of the altar to follow. And then they posted pictures of an, a pagan idol and a pentagram right at the base of it with uh, a couple of books and, and documents strewn on this altar. Here's what the prayer says. Uh, it's actually a litany of prayers. Uh, preceding it, he says, I list the names of the dead with a prayer to the gods preceding and a prayer to the dead themselves following. And they prayed to Hermaphroditus, Andron Canvarsa, uh, Melictuus, Azathoth, Baphomet. Okay. Baphomet is most specifically identified with Satanism. Absolutely satanic. They said, Baphomet, look at the names of the dead. This was part of their prayer ritual. Uh, Hermaphroditus was from Greek mythology, a combination or the offspring of Hermes and, and Aphrodite was born a boy, but then had his nature merged with a nymph, giving him both male and female genitalia. The one the the indian sounding name is a hindu deity depicting a god and a goddess combined into one so both male and female counterparts the rest of these are all uh demons that are associated with transgenderism and hermaphroditism uh specifically for the homosexual community these were prayers that they recited in a in a staff meeting and this organization received funding from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development. And then for the rest of the report, I focused on all of the different ways that they've been promoting transgenderism throughout the years. Now, what's important about this report, not just the fact that they were they were actually participating in demon worship, but Bishop Timothy Sr., who is the chairman of the Catholic Campaign uh, Campaign, excuse me, the Catholic Campaign for Human Development's committee. He told his brother bishops in, a, in an, a letter that he sent to them in October that the Lepanto Institute's reports on CCHD grants are unfounded, unfounded. That was his word. 
He also said that all of the in initiatives that are supported with CCHD funding have undergone a thorough application process. He also said Catholics can be confident that the Catholic Campaign for Human Development does not fund organizations that violate the moral or social teaching of the church. So if we That's look at this. just a blatant lie. Absolutely. This organization was praying to demons in 2013. If they had conducted any kind of investigation into this group, they would have found that just as easily as we did. Or even if they had missed it, once it was called to their attention, they would have pulled the funding. Should have. Yeah. This worship of demons is troubling because it takes forms that people might not realize, specifically the New Age practices of yoga and Reiki. These are really... Yep very spiritually dangerous practices, aren't they? They completely are. When, when people practice yoga, they don't realize that the positions that are used in yoga are the positions of the, the Hindu deities themselves. You see these Hindu deities, they do all these dance moves and dance positions. Well, yoga is an imitation of those dance positions of the deities. Also, yoga specifically is about meditation. We talked about the rosary and meditation in the rosary and how we're supposed to be meditating on the life of Christ. Well, meditation in yoga is about meditation on your body in harmony with nature. And you're trying to touch something in the cosmos and you open up what are called chakras. They're supposed to be these spiritual openings in your body that then allow for the spirits to move within you so that you can have harmony with the universe. But if you understand that from a Catholic or Christian perspective, you're opening yourself up to demons the same way you would if you were playing with a Ouija board. Or tarot cards or any of the other occult practices. That's right. And what about Reiki? So Reiki is uh, it's a little bit different. It's supposed to be some sort of healing ministry, laying on of hands kind of thing. And and uh, they have these opening ceremonies where they the the Reiki master will do some sort of hand motion over your hands that's supposed to open you up so that you then become a conduit for spiritual forces of an unknown origin flowing through you and into the person that you're supposed to be healing through through the laying on of hands. Now, there is not a single, not one recorded instant, instance of a person being actually healed through Reiki, but there are instances of people being actually possessed through the practice of Reiki. So <laughs> you're playing with demons. In the laying on of hands, people don't realize what a sacred... Uh, ritual that can be. It's not always, you know, if you go in for a massage or a sports rub down or something, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about high-fiving or, or uh, you know, slapping someone on the back and congratulations. But the actual laying on of hands with the intentionality of uh, praying over the person or attempting to heal them, that's a, getting into an area where you, you better really know and trust who you're allowing to place your hands on you. You bet. You bet. Um, the thing is, laying on of hands, as you pointed out, is part of the healing ministry of the church. There is a sacrament called the healing of the sick or 
the it's mm-hmm. it's also called extreme unction, where there is the imposition of the laying on of hands for the purpose of healing. This is a sacrament, but the devil always only ever imitates. So what the devil is trying to do is find his own anti-sacrament, a way of getting right. in and and blocking the Holy Spirit. And, and if you focus on something of a material nature without really recognizing both authority of God and the action of God, which is what a sacrament is, well, then you're opening yourself up to the authority and the action of the devil. And oftentimes, as I said, unwittingly, people don't even realize uh, that that is what they are are possibly doing, even though it's not their intention. That is what might happen. Father Chad Ripperger has talked about this and how dangerous it can be uh, to to play with anything that has to do with the occult because it's it's not uh, anything. It, it's playing with fire, but it's playing with eternal fire. It absolutely is, and I I wouldn't. Uh... I mean, that stuff is so dangerous, and you hear stories about people who actually get sick, physically sick, because when you play with the demonic, what you're playing with are anti-life forces. They're they're forces that want to harm the human person because the devil wants to harm the image and likeness of God, which is what every single one of us is. So the, the devil can't hurt God, but he can hurt God through his creation, and that's why the devil wants to harm us, wants to drag us to hell. And and. That's why that's why he's the devil. That's why he was cast out of heaven in the first place, is that he was jealous of us because we're weaker than the spirits. We're weaker than the angels. We're not nearly as smart as the angels. They exceed us in physical strength. They exceed us in in mental ability and intelligence. And yet here we were, the beloved creation and Lucifer and his one third of the heavenly host couldn't handle that. And they're motivated by all the the anti-virtues, right? We have the virtues of of faith, hope, and charity, and love, and and tolerance, et cetera. And the anti-virtues are envy and greed and all the things that that try to tear us down and, and decay us from within. Weapons that Satan uses against us to get us over to, quote, unquote, his side, oftentimes without even realizing it. Yeah, the devil in seeking to imitate God. I mean, the devil said to himself in Isaiah, I will rise to the heights of the heavens. I will become like the most high. That statement, I will become, is a statement of transition. He wants to be something he's not. And that statement of transition is the foundation of the trans movement. It's, It's essential to everything that is in the mystical arts. If you look at alchemy, if you look at evolution, if you look at chimeras and and genetic manipulation, it's all rooted in changing the nature of a thing to the nature of a new thing. Uh, One of the founding statements of the occult is salve et coagula. So to dissolve and then to reform. That's what they want to do. And also Ordo Ab Chao, order from chaos, mm-hmm. and, and that's why they thrive on the chaos. Michael, another fascinating conversation. Thank you so much. I hope you have a blessed Christmas, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. That's it for The Reckoning on TNT Radio tonight. Stay tuned for the Hervoyer Mort Show. Until next time, I'm Timothy Shea. God bless you. God bless these United States. Keep fighting the good fight.